Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... David killed Goliath with a sling and a stone, and when he ran up on him, he didn't have a sword. He took Goliath's big old sword and whopped his head off. This should have reminded David of a time earlier when he was full of faith, trusted God. He didn't have better weapons. All he had was all he needed was faith in the Lord. Somehow, things have changed. Somehow fear has overtaken David at this point. And David's not thinking the way he was thinking then. For whatever reason, David wasn't afraid of Goliath, but David is afraid of Saul. Think back to a time when God granted you a great victory over a challenging situation. Maybe it was regarding a difficult relationship or a financial struggle. When God successfully brought you through it, you probably had a strong, renewed faith in God. Is your faith still strong in your present situation? Today, Pastor Bill teaches that when David was running away from Saul, he was driven by fear rather than faith. Remind yourself of God's grace and goodness in your life and know that he'll continue to be faithful. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 21 as he continues his message, Desperation, Deception, and Death. It doesn't really matter why he lied. Uh, Once you put a lie out there, now you got to deal with the consequences of it. So I want to give you guys some verses. I'm going to take about five minutes to give you some verses on lying. Uh, Write them down. I'm going to read them to you. Um, Write them down. And if this is something you struggle with, I want these to be verses that that the Lord can uh, bring to your remembrance uh, to help you to know as believers We can't be liars, right? You may used to have been one when you weren't saved, but you can't continue as a child of God. You are a child of the light. Amen. And so we don't want to be child of the light. Children of the light out here walking in darkness, telling lies. So I got a total of eight, eight verses for you. The first one is Proverbs six, verses 16 through 19. This is a list of six things that the Lord hates. Six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to run into evil, a false witness who speaks lies. Twice in this little short list of things God hates, you got liars. And one who sows discord among the brethren. If God's going to make a list of what he hates, don't we need to pay attention to that? God is saying, everybody here got some pet peeves, some things you really don't like, and if someone's going to be close to you, they need to know what you don't like. This is God saying, this is what I really don't like this. I don't like liars. So that's the reason why we don't want to be liars. Next one, another proverb, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22. It says, lion lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. So we have a compare and contrast. God said, lion lips are an abomination to me, but those who deal truthfully, uh, they're a delight to me. I want to be a delight to the Lord. Amen. The next one is Proverbs 19, verse 9. Proverbs 19, verse 9 says, a false witness will not go unpunished. And he who speaks lies shall perish. A false witness will not go unpunished, but he he who speaks lies will perish. Uh, The next one is Psalm 101, verse 7. Psalm 101, verse 7 says, He who works deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. Um, Next one, we'll move to the New Testament for the last three. Colossians chapter 3. Verses 9 and 10, Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Paul here uh, says, 
do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So it tells us not to lie to one another anymore. Ephesians chapter four, verse 25. Ephesians chapter four, verse 25. Again, Paul speaking here. He says, therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So as believers, again, we're to put away lying and speak truth to one another. And the last one is Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. Um, I remember these kids uh, at my, my old church, they had a, they had a Revelation 21, 8 song. And it said, uh, <laughs> um, I, I can't remember the little tune to it, but it, it, it talked about liars going to hell and burn, burn, burn. I can't remember it, but um, it's a, oh, yeah, I now remember it. So anyway, Revelation 21, it says, uh, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and get this, all liars will have their part in the lake of, that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. For all these reasons, um, you know, we got so there's a million more verses. You got the Ten Commandments, you know, don't bear false witness. Um, you got this throughout the Bible. We know that lying is just not something that should not characterize the man or the woman of God. And so David is out of character, out of line here. Again, it's going to um, is he sold this? He's going to reap from it. It's going to be bad. Um, we need to learn from it. And so I would just put the challenge out to anybody here. As life happens, as situations come about, especially if you would be honest with yourself and say, lying sometimes is my go-to. Lying is sometimes how I get out of dealing with confrontation or ugly situations or whatever. Um, I'm, I'm challenging you tonight that you would repent of that, that you, you, you come up with some other, some other kind of way. You know, be a man or woman of truth. Say, say the truth. Uh, the Bible says the truth will do what for you? Set you free, right? So it, it may be more difficult to tell the truth, but it, it sometimes it's going to be fruitful and beneficial. Um, I, I, I'll share this last thing. Um, when I first got married, um, early, early in our marriage, I'll say, my wife was, you know, my wife cooks and she was trying different meals and stuff like that, trying to see what I like. And um, she cooked one thing um, and she made it and I didn't really like it. But I but I didn't have a heart to say that. So I was like, oh, I don't like that. Yeah. And then her thinking that, wow, he liked it. She kept making it. <laughs> and so whose fault is it now? It's like there, is, there it is again, you know. And so um, it's my fault. I, I should have been honest. Right. Then, then she says, you know, as I've gotten older, you've gotten picky in your old age. No, I've gotten more honest. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, but that, that sort of thing can happen when you think you're doing a good thing. But it's like in the long run, I, I should have just ate that. I should have just said, no, nah, it wasn't my favorite thing. You know, uh, you can be nice and honest. You don't got to be rude and honest, but you should be a man or a woman that tells the truth. Amen. All right. So moving on. Uh, verse three now. Uh, now, therefore, David is asking Ahimelech, the priest at the temple, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand or whatever can be found. So David needs food. He needs sustenance. He left in a hurry. He doesn't have anything with him. He doesn't have food. He doesn't have a weapon. He's just out there with nothing. So he asks Ahimelech, what do you have on hand? What can be found? Verse four. And the priest answered David and said, there is no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread. If the young men have at least kept themselves from women. Now, again, some people wonder uh, there's different 
ideas about this. Was there really some men with David? They sound made up, right? It seems like, you know, David is just, you know, throwing some men in the, in the mix here. And he said, oh, you know, I sent my men to such and such a place or whatever. The, here's the one challenge to that, right? As you go to the Matthew New Testament, Jesus actually uses this story. Jesus and the disciples are walking through the fields and they on the Sabbath day. And they, 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 you know, rolling up some wheat to eat. You know, they do a little. So the Pharisees, Sadducees, the, the religious folk, they say, hey, hey, the Sabbath. And you guys are you working and eating on the Sabbath. And Jesus has to put them in check because he's the Lord of the Sabbath. And so he said, y'all, y'all, have, y'all have done something. I didn't make the Sabbath to you're not going to you know, I didn't make the Sabbath to restrict you. I made it for, for rest. And so he is the Lord of the Sabbath. He, he, if Jesus said it was OK. It was OK. Amen. Amen. And, he, he, and he pointed. He says, have you not heard? With David now in in the in the reading in Matthew, he said, it says, have you not heard with David and his men? So with that, since Jesus said it, I'm going to say that maybe he had some men hiding up in the cut. You know what I mean? I'm I'm not going I'm not going to challenge the words of Jesus. Amen. So there is, you know, whatever the case, David is saying, hey, I need some food. And um, for me and my guys, uh, rather, we, we haven't seen the guys. But uh, Jesus said there were some guys. I need some bread. And. Ahimelech, and that's in Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. If anybody would like to go back and look at that later for yourself. Um, he says, hey, you know, can, can you give me some bread? And the question was, have they, are the, are the guys, have they kept themselves from women? Um, if you look at the, the, the teaching in Leviticus, if um, there's some things that can make you ceremonially unclean. So if a husband and wife come together and do what husband and wives do when they come together, uh, they would be considered ceremonial unclean and there would be a 24 hour period in the washing and before they would go back. And so it's hey, have the men at least kept themselves from women. Um, and verse four, then David answered the priest and said to him, truly, women have been kept from us about three days since I came out and the vessels of the young men are holy and the bread is in effect common, even though it was consecrated in the vessel this day. This is how the bread in the temple worked. There would be fresh bread baked every day and it was holy to the Lord. Now, after it was, you know, after a day it would be taken out and there would be new bread put in. Uh, then the priests and those there would be able to eat from the other bread. But it was, it was you know, it was holy and that it was dedicated to the Lord. And now, um, you know, it, it just it wasn't common. It just anybody couldn't roll up there and be like, let me get a loaf of that. You know, uh, this was this bread was set apart. It had it had divine purpose on it, as did everything in the temple. And so he said, hey, well, uh, we can give it to you guys. Make sure if everybody, everybody at least ceremonially clean. Then um, we'll make the exception today is what Ahimelech is going to do. Uh, He's going to make the exception and give them the bread. Verse six says, so the priest gave him holy bread for which uh, there was no bread there, but the show bread, which had been taken from before the Lord in order to put hot bread in its place on the day when it was taken away. And if there's a message in that, right, it was hot bread put before the Lord every day, fresh bread before the Lord every day um, in our lives. Right. We want to be I want to we want to take in daily from the Lord. Amen. Fresh word, fresh time with the Lord. Not nothing stale. That's why we, we do the daily Bible reading. We encourage you guys to do the daily Bible reading. Why? Because God, you know, God's old word can speak to you brand new today because it's living and powerful. It's not some dead book. And so as much as there was something that they did here it was a picture, but it was fresh every day. You want to have some time with the Lord every day that's fresh. Something that I challenge myself, particularly when I come up to sections of scripture with which I am familiar, 
Um, I, I actually like, OK, God, give, speak to me afresh through this this section of scripture that my mind thinks it knows so well. Speak to me afresh. Show me something I need to know. Reveal something that I've missed all, every time up until now. I'm blown away at how often God does that. Um, but I would just encourage you guys fresh time with the Lord every day. Amen. Don't 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 be eating those stale, crusty five year old, you know, bread. This is uh, one of the reasons why I don't like devotional books as a primary way of seeking the Lord is a devotional book is somebody else's time with the Lord recorded for your edification. I can be edified by Tozer and these different guys. I'm not upset with the fact that they've written great things and we should read from others, but that can't be my primary. I got to have time with God that's all my own where I've opened up the book and I've prayed and God has spoken to me in the way that he speaks to me that I might share with you what he said to me. But you don't want your primary hearing from God to be through other people. You have a personal relationship with the Lord, right? Even church, this shouldn't be primary. You should daily be with the Lord. This should be in addition to everything that you're already spending time and receiving from the Lord. And so um, I encourage you in the love of the Lord that you guys would have individually, um, you'd have time spent with the Lord where you're taking in and receiving from him on, on a regular basis. So moving on now, look at verse seven. It says, now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg, an Edomite, the chief of the herdsmen who belonged to Saul. So it just so happened that one of Saul's people is down here, and he's going to be the one that busts this thing wide open for Saul later on. So um, all we know about this guy, his name is Doeg. He's an Edomite, not even Israelite, but he's he's one of Saul's guys doing Saul's dingy, dirty work wherever Saul goes. And he he's there and he observes everything that happens between David and Ahimelech. Saul would never have known exactly what transpired between David and Ahimelech outside of this guy just happening to be there. Um, Why is this important? If David had just said the truth then that's all this guy would have had was the truth to run back with. And Saul would have been confronted with the truth that, you know, yeah, David said that you're chasing him, trying to take his life. But David lied. David's lie involved Ahimelech. Ahimelech believed David's lie. And so because he believed David's lie, he gives him bread. Now Ahimelech is going to appear to Saul. Oh, you, you're against me with David. Huh. And what we're going to see transpire next week is Saul is going to kill Ahimelech and 85 other priests. Whose fault is it that they die? David, his lie, his lie to cover his butt um, is going to take the lives of some people he really cares about and who cared about him. Only person that cared enough about him at this moment to help him. He ends up hurting them with his lie. That's what we have to understand about the danger of telling lies. If you tell the truth, you never have to look up. You never have to wonder about it. I, 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 to tell the truth and leave it with God. It's in God's hands. But if I tell a lie, if I deceive you, if I deceive you and something bad happens to you because you were believing my lie, I got to live with that. And that's 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 what we're going to see happen to David that we have to learn from. Um, David's deception to protect himself hurts other people. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, there's going to be nothing he could do to, pr- to protect them or to save them from it. By the time he hears about it, it's a done deal. And so um, so Doeg, the Edomite is here the chief of the herdsmen who belong to Saul. And again, it just so happened. There's just somebody there 
ear hustling to the whole situation. And he heard what was going on. And he's going to go back and, and tell um, tell Saul what took place. And um, again, I, I've I've thought about this before. You know, if you're someone that tells the truth, if, if, it's, if, it, if it ends, even if the truth that you tell ends up in wrong hands, still the truth. I'm good. I'm clean. What I said, if somebody overhears you that I wasn't really talking to them, but what I was saying was still true. I'm OK. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm on good ground. But David's not going to be on good ground here. Verse eight. And David said to Ahimelech, is there not here on hand a spear or a sword? Fire brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me. Again, another lie, because the king's business required haste. So David says, hey, miss, uh, is there any weapons here in the temple? You got a spear or a sword because the king's you know, request upon me required such haste. I left without a weapon. I need a weapon. And another lie he tells. Right. And Ahimelech is going to take care of him. It says, so the priest said the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah. There it is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take that, take it for there is no uh, there is no other except that one here. And David said, there is none like it. Give it to me. Now, I want you to think about this, right? Because I would like to think this would have stirred up something in David. He says, you know what's here? The only only weapon in the whole temple is the, the sword of Goliath, who you killed. Actually, this is the sword that David chopped off. Goliath. After, you know, David killed Goliath with a sling and a stone. And when he ran up on him, he didn't have a sword. He took Goliath's big old sword and whopped his head off. This should have reminded David of a time earlier when he was full of faith, trusted God. He didn't have better weapons. All he had was all he needed was faith in the Lord. Somehow things have changed. Somehow fear has overtaken David at this point. And David's not thinking the way he was thinking then. For whatever reason, David wasn't afraid of Goliath, but David is afraid of Saul. And fear is causing David to respond in the way that he's responding. So what do we learn from this? Um, one, it's possible to one day be over here living by faith, believing God, trusting God, accomplishing great things for God's glory. And then to get over here later on and be afraid and nervous and sinning and not succeeding, not doing it God's way. It's possible that the same man that was succeeding over here is now failing over here. How do we avoid that happening? How do we how do I learn from what goes on with David here and say, God, I don't want to I don't want to do that. I don't want to flip flop. Right. I, I'm human, too. Uh, and, and some of us have done this. Right. Some of us have had victory spiritually and then we've done bad stuff. Right. Same body, same person, same face. Um, and so how do, how do we avoid this? One, I know fear is um, fear is not the friend of faith. You really can't have faith and fear simultaneously. I, I'm either full of faith and I have no fear or I'm full of fear and I have no faith. But you can't have it both ways. I can't be full of faith in God and I'm scared, too. Um, you, you just it's one or the other. So you either believe God and you go in faith and you just God is on you. you. My life is in your hands. I, I trust you with the whole thing or with fear. Fear will guide you. Fear is a terrible leader. You guys, anybody has ever been governed by fear, controlled by fear in your life. Fear is a terrible leader. It's a terrible leader. You don't want to be led by guided by. You don't want to make decisions based out of fear. Um, it, it almost be better to do anything but be afraid. And, um, you know, Something I would be thankful to my mother for how my mother raised us. 
Um, my mother was one that would make you, you're going to overcome a fear. If you felt afraid of something, my mom would like, no, go get it, you know. Um, and, I, and I look back, I'm, I'm thankful for that. You know, I'm thankful for that kind of a mindset because fear is a snare. Fear of stop, fear of paralyze you from doing stuff. Fear will have you, you know, sometimes fear is irrational. Where it's like when you look at what people are afraid of, it's like that's not a rational fear. There are certain, you know, creatures that are harmless, but there are people that are afraid of them, right? So somebody can be afraid of a mice can't bite you, a mice can't, mice is harmless, right? But some people are afraid, see a mice and they jump up on a table like it could bite them, like it could eat you, like it's carnivorous or something like that. It, it don't want nothing but your cheese and snacks, um, you know, but it, so it's a, you know, I could, I could know you get the eebie-jeebies, but it'd be irrational to be like, ah, 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 about it. It's a mouse, it's a mouse, it's a mouse, not a pit bull, just a mouse. Um, you know, they're bugs, a beetle or an ant or, a, you know, a, I know somebody that I know somebody was scared of a, a daddy long legs and uh, one of my children. And I, I was saying that's an irrational fear. And so as a as a good old dad, I plucked one off the wall by the legs and I said, now hold it. I tried to make them hold it and they, ah, and they wouldn't they wouldn't do it, you know, but I was trying to rid them of this. It's not rational. This is the one spider that can't bite you. It, there's no it can do. It can do nothing but crawl, smush it up and roll. On, get, on, get on with your life, you know. We want to be careful about being overrun by fear. Uh, some fear is irrational. Some fear is legitimate. David's fear was legitimate. Somebody's trying to kill him. He's attempted it a few times and failed. And now David knows for certain that not just Saul, but Saul and his men are looking to kill him. So David's fear is not an irrational fear. It's a legitimate fear. But even legitimate fear has to be brought to the Lord, you guys. So when we have a legitimate fear, something to be afraid of something that that could bring about literal fear. God, I got to bring that to you and let it leave it in your hands. My life is in your hands, but I don't want fear to direct me and how I make decisions. We've we lived through some crazy things the last couple last year and a half or so. And I would say that some people are so afraid, um, so afraid that it's controlling. It's controlling what they do and they don't do. Unhealthy, unhealthy. There's legitimate fears. There's irrational fear. There's fear that's born out of what you sow, right? If you sow in a little bit of word and a whole lot of TV, you're going to be afraid. That's the fear sells. The news is bad news only. And you got to balance that out with the good news or you're going to be out here making bad decisions. And so we want to be careful that fear is not guiding us, leading us um, because bad decisions are made when fear is the lead. And so that's how David got into this predicament. Um, he's afraid. Um, and and but in his fear, he doesn't choose to turn to the Lord. He takes it upon himself. I'm going to lie. I'm going to deceive. I'm going to get the, I'm going to get a weapon now. And so he gets the he gets Saul. He gets um, he gets the sword of Goliath. And so now he has a weapon and, you know, he has that. But but no faith, no trust in the Lord. No, he's got a weapon and he's going to move forward with that. Look at verse 10. Now it goes from bad to worse. Um, some of you guys have heard the phrase of from the frying pan to the fire. So David leaves. He's running from one enemy, Saul, who wants to kill him. Well, look at where he runs to. Verse 10. Then David arose and fled that day from before Saul. And he went to Achish, the king of Gath. Who came from Gath? Goliath of Gath. So David ran to the town 
of the of the giant that he killed, right? So, and, and, like, and like they're not gonna remember him, right? There's like you the guy, we was all up there while while Goliath was talking smack. These are all the homies behind him, like, yeah, yeah, get with him though. You know what I mean? And now David is the guy that killed him, ran off with his head, chased these guys back home. So he ran down. Now he's in enemy territory. You've just heard a transforming word. Brought to you by Pastor Bill Buffington. 1 Samuel is where we've been reading, and there's so much to take away from this book. Did you realize that many of the Psalms were written during the time that these events were happening? For much of this book, David was running from Saul. Wouldn't it be strange to be an arch enemy of your best friend's dad? Even though you didn't do anything deserving of death, you feel like a fugitive. And somehow, you found yourself in this situation where you're running for your life this was much of David's existence in the book of 1 Samuel. He was doing great things, but King Saul was jealous of him and felt threatened by him. So he wanted to remove David completely from the upcoming kingship of Israel. Do you feel like you're on the run, undeserving of the circumstances you're in? Or are you on the other side, feeling jealous and insecure about another person, looking for their downfall? In either case, these two men needed God's help. One chose to rely on God, and the other turned away. Which direction will you choose? If you like the message you just heard, we're so glad. You'll find more solid teachings like this one from Pastor Bill Buffington at calvaryinglewood.org. Will you prayerfully consider spreading the good news with us? If this interests you, you can find the Give tab on our website. Don't forget, that's calvaryinglewood.org. This ministry is an outpouring of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Thanks for listening today to A Transforming Word.